This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Seek Reality Radio with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about your reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here is Roberta. There is only one reality. Mainstream science and mainstream religions can help us get a little bit closer to understanding our one reality, but neither of them really gets the whole picture. The one reality in which we live encompasses not just this universe, but also the very much greater levels of reality where our dead loved ones now live. So it may not be surprising that our best witnesses as to what is actually going on in our reality are the dead themselves. This is a really big picture. And now at the start of the 21st century, we can finally begin to understand our one reality and use what we're learning to wonderfully transform our lives. The core fact of your life is that you are an eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And really knowing that changes everything. I'm Roberta Grimes. You're listening to Seek Reality on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Every week at this time, we'll be spending an hour together working to better understand the one glorious reality in which we live. And today, our wonderful guest is our Craig Hogan. He's one of the world's experts at understanding something that, frankly, I don't want to understand. I don't want anything to do with it. But it's something that we all really need to know about for our own safety. What happens to us at and after our deaths is nearly all good news, but there's a little bit of bad news, and there are risks that we need to avoid, and today we're going to talk about all the bad stuff. As the old Scottish prayer says, from ghoulies and ghosties and long-leggedy beasties and things that go bump in the night, good Lord, deliver us. So the things that go bump in the night are our topic for this week. Welcome, Craig. Hi, Roberta. It's such a delight (laughs) to be here. Uh, I like to talk about those things that go bump in the night because people have got to know when they get bumped what that is. Yes, that's right. That's true. Mm -hmm. As we know, all the afterlife levels are right here. Getting to know the Summerland or getting to to transition to the Summerland is really a lot like changing TV channels. We're We're tuned to the sort of material level of reality. And when, when our bodies die, our spirits just tuned to a slightly higher level and we find ourselves in a whole new solid reality. And I, I want to stress right at the start, and I know, Craig, you have some things to stress as well, that for nearly everybody, that's an easy transition. Our loved ones, our guides help us make that transition. So I don't want to frighten you into thinking uh, as you're listening to us, oh my goodness, I need to worry about that. We'll tell you how to avoid the, the risks and problems. But there are potential risks and problems. And Craig is going to tell us about what they are. Yeah, I want to say something about that as well. 
Um, most people are not going to experience these kinds of entities that we're going to be talking about today. So when you go to a medium and you have a reading with a medium, it is your loved one coming through. It is not one of these entities. If you have a guided afterlife connection or a self-guided afterlife connection, it's going to be the loved one who comes through. We have never had an instance in which it was not the loved one who came through. So just want to reassure everybody to, so that they know that when you speak to the person on the other side and you believe that it is your loved one, it is in fact them. We've never had an instance in which it was not. But there are other circumstances in which there are some nasties on the other side and they will come through. So those are the ones that we're going to be talking about today. Well, let, let's start with what goes wrong at death. Um, uh, in my and I'm only guessing, and Craig is the expert on this, but um, earthbounds do happen. Cases of people who basically get stuck and don't make the transition complete. And and in my experience, and just reading a lot of afterlife uh, communications, it seems to be something that happens if you let yourself get distracted when you should be following your the guides and the and the loved ones who come to take you to the next level, but you instead want to stop and comfort your relatives. You you can lose the ability. To follow, and this is not a, a something that happens automatically. It's something we need to basically allow other people to to guide us in. So, if you stop and you and you comfort people, you can get earthbound. And if you're earthbound, an effort is going to be constantly made to rescue you. But you may be earthbound for a, a lot of Earth time. Tell us about earthbounds, Craig. Well, what happens is uh, we are so ignorant about uh, the passing, this transition that we call death that when somebody goes through the transition, they really very often don't understand what happened to them. Uh, the fact that there are that loved ones come through and uh, will greet them and take them along, and that's the wonderful way in which it happens for most people. So for most people, even uh, if they have a lingering illness and they're on the point of death, then they'll see their loved ones. They'll, they offer in the uh, in the hospice room or in the hospital room. Will look up in a corner of the room and and they'll start speaking to their loved ones because they're coming through to them. So most often uh, the transition is very easy. People will have their loved ones who come through and show them what's going on and, and greet them. So that but there are some people who, when they pass, especially if they pass violently and suddenly that they don't know what happened to them. And they actually then very often uh, will feel like they're dreaming, like they're going to wake up, that uh, there's something very unusual going on, and uh, I don't know what this is, but, you know, I've got to find a way out of it. And so some people, because they're they're really disturbed and disoriented, uh, will reject anybody who comes to try to help them from the other side and will, will stay there, and uh, they will wander around, and they can wander around for decades or centuries trying wow. to find out what happened to them. Uh, and uh, many of them feel that they're in a dream. There are some uh, who are, for instance, uh, who are Christians who are really afraid that if they go beyond the earth plane, they're going to be in judgment, that they might end up in hell. And, and so they're worried about that and they stay there. And uh, there are people who have unfinished business. They uh, may have anger towards someone uh, who is still on the earth plane and so they want to stay there. So there are many, many reasons why people become what we call earthbound. And they're only earthbound because it, they decide that and it's a part of their mental makeup. They stay on the earth out of a, a, a choice or, and it could be a conscious choice, could be an unconscious choice. But they're there because they have made the decision to stay on the earth plane. 
when they're on the earth plane, of course, they are the mind, just like we are minds, and they are all around us here on the earth plane as minds. We just can't see them because we're accustomed to bodies. You know, we see the physical body. Yeah. But they are only the mind, and their mind is vibrating at the same vibrational level as the earth plane, and they stay on the earth plane. And they have uh, an astral body. They have a, a body that they use, and, and uh, they walk around, and they ride in cars, and, and they they can go to church and whatever else they wanted to do, just as though they were alive on the earth plane. So the, And those are the earth grounds, and there are many of them who are around us now, um, when we talk about ghosts, there are distinctions. There are memories that are on, on the ether, and those are, are um, what we call ghosts, and they keep doing the same thing over and over again. So they're walking down the hall every night. You, know, you can hear them walking down the hall. Those are memories on the ether. There is no spirit involved there. There's no person involved there. It's just a memory, and that will play itself out, and especially for somebody who's a sensitive but then there are the people who are their their own spirit, their minds, their eternal selves. They are on the earth plane still, and they are now trying to make their way through the earth plane and, and live on the earth plane as though it were a reality. And they can become attached to people without even knowing it. Uh, there's one. Uh, I'm going to give you some names as I as I talk about this and. Uh, these are all the uh, the experts. There is a, a whole movement now in, in helping people to become uh, detached. Uh, Carl Wickland, who was one of the original, he's a physician, um, 30 oh, Years yes. Among the Dead. 30 yes. Years Among the Dead is his book. Wonderful book. Has, it's a wonderful book. He has case studies. So, And with all the dialogues. Uh, his wife was a trans medium, and so then the entities who were who were possessing someone would speak through him. And uh, he, he then would, uh, they would help that entity to understand that he was dead. But many of these entities became attached to people and didn't even realize it. One of them was very disturbed because he couldn't figure out why he was a male, and yet he was in a woman's body, and, and he had <laughs> long hair, and he had all these uh, other bodily you know, attributes. And uh, they don't realize what's going on, and some of them will go from person to person in that way. And, uh, I, I, I'd like to talk about possession in a minute, but one more thing mm-hmm. I want to sort of making sure we're, we're covering what can make us go wrong at death. There seem to be people who, if they're addicted to drugs, to alcohol, or to sex, will say, wow, now I can satisfy my cravings and nobody can stop me. And they choose to stay behind to do mm-hmm. that. I can't imagine it, but apparently they do. Yeah, and what, yeah, and, what and, can happen then is... They possess people, and we're going to talk about possession in a bit, too. But tell us about... What you know, they do now's is, uh, time for fun. Yeah, <laughs> what, what they do at, at one level, there are several levels in, in, uh, in, in what happens to people when they attach in that way. And at the uh, lowest level is, is simply um, uh, temptation. And what that is is when the earthbound person then uh, finds a, uh, an arsonist will find another, a person who likes to set fires on the earth plane, oh. and then will stay with that person and will try to influence them and will say, you know, look at that building. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Oh, that building was on fire. Can you imagine the fire engines? And is trying to influence them. So that's at the lowest level. That's temptation, and they get their kicks out of doing that, just like people get kicks out of pornography. You know, when they're uh, they're not actually there with the person that they're looking at in a magazine, or and uh, but they're getting some sort of a kick out of that. 
same kind of thing. Uh, the next level is shadowing, and that's where they stay with the person and they participate in the things that they participate in. Uh, they they uh, actually uh, get a vicarious enjoyment out of out of whatever it is that they're doing. Uh, and the next is oppression, and that's where you, the a person, uh, an earthbound on the other side, can then make a person very depressed. They can give them psychological problems. They can uh, they can do things that are physically uncomfortable for them, make them sick. Uh, and so that's an oppression. An, an obsession is where they keep working at the person and working at the person and, and to get them to, to do something which is not in their best interest, but it's something that is mischievous. It's something that the person on the other side wants them to do, and they become obsessed with it. The person feels like they're obsessed. I don't know why I'm obsessed, but you know I've got this obsession, and what's happening is they're being influenced by somebody on the other side. And the final level is the possession, and that's where a weak person can then be be so influenced by by the person on the, on the other side on on in the earth plane that they actually become possessed by that person, and that requires an exorcism. There are exorcisms, and there are people who do them. Wow. Uh, so that there's, those are the, all the levels that that the person can go through, and uh, the entities on the other side are staying here because they may not know that they're they passed. They may not know that they're dead. They are getting kicks out of being here and, and making people do things that they want them to do. Uh, or they have unfinished business and, and they're trying to influence other people to do what they want to do or or even to stay away from things like somebody who had things in his, in his or her life that they didn't like may spend a lot of time on the uh, on the earth plane just trying to keep people away from discovering those things. And wow. so that's their obsession on, uh, on the other side. There are many reasons why, why people are, are earthbound. Uh, One of the things that, that I want to make sure we talk about is the uh, the problem of people who are addicted and then get drunk in a bar, for example, or mm-hmm. shoot up in an alleyway. Um, this is near to my heart because uh, I didn't realize until very recently when I understood this process that my own father um, clearly had possessing entities. He mm-hmm. was an alcoholic. He drank in a bar, and when you get drunk, your spiritual defense, as we call it, your aura, um, uh, become, becomes weak and almost shredded. And it becomes easy then for possessing entities to literally get into your body and, and try to... It, it, I mean, if you have a friend or a loved one who used to drink some and is now obsessed with drink, I would p- suspect that person has a, a possessing entity and sometimes you can see it in their faces um, sometimes you could there's a peculiar glow about their eyes I didn't know what that was with my father but um, I've since come to un- but it went away when he gave up drinking and I've since come to understand that was the entity looking out of his eyes oh my lord how mm-hmm. awful yeah mm-hmm. and then and, and you can sense them you can sense that there's an entity there there's a whole foundation it's called the spirit release foundation uh, in Great Britain and they have a, a great variety of psychotherapists, people who uh, work with people to be released, because it's a very common phenomenon. We know that it's true today, and, and uh, people are endeavoring to help those who are suffering from possession or oppression to be able to be released from it. So this is a very common phenomenon. One of the appalling things about it is that since none of this is recognized by mainstream science, Nobody in the sort of conventional medical community knows about it, and how can mm-hmm. they treat it if they don't know about it? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, I think well, a lot of... No, go ahead. Pharmacology. They give them drugs. Yeah. So, and so what they do is they're drugging it. the body right. mm-hmm, without getting to the, the root cause. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I think that's the main reason why I think it's important we break through to, um, to mainstream science and help it understand that it's on the wrong track and has been for mm-hmm. the past hundred years. Mm-hmm. But uh, at this point, why don't we just stop for a few minutes and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk um, more about what happens when you have one of these and how we get rid of them. Uh, you're listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes and the Contact Talk Radio Network and my wonderful guest is Craig Hogan who's helping us talk about the scary stuff. We'll be right back. like to talk about some of the things that are discussed on Seek Reality Radio, come and join the welcoming community at afterlifeforums.com. Roberta and Andrew manage afterlife forums in an atmosphere of love and acceptance. If you are very ill, if you have lost a loved one, or if you just wonder about these topics, come and join the fun at afterlifeforums.com. When she was eight, Roberta Grimes had an amazing experience of light. She spent the next 50 years researching the afterlife to try and understand what had happened to her. And the result is her book, The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. Roberta's book is cliff notes to 200 years of abundant and consistent afterlife evidence. It will show you why extinction is impossible for you, explain how you can enjoy the death process, and describe for you in wonderful detail the glorious heaven that awaits us all. Available on Amazon in Kindle and in print, The Fun of Dying will start you on a thrilling and life-affirming voyage as you learn the glorious truth about who you really are. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network and the wonderful R. Craig Hogan, who's helping me be brave and talk about scary things. Uh, what we're talking about today is the things that go bump in the night, the things that can go wrong. And again, we want to stress these things are not common. Most people go through their whole lives without having experience with any negative entities, and they have a nice, normal, happy transition. We just think it's important, just as you could get a serious illness, we want you to know that you can get what amount to spiritual illnesses and how to cure them. So what we've been talking about is spirit possession, which is, I, I don't know if you would agree, Craig, sort of the most severe, awful that can happen to you as a result of these entities. There may be other mm-hmm. things you're going to tell us about later, but to me, that's about as bad as it gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it's, and, and it seems to be common-ish, mm-hmm. much more common than we would have dreamed. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a, your feeling too? Yeah, that's true. And it, much more common than there is on the other side in the, in the unseen world there's a there is a, a tremendous volume of these kinds of entities of various degrees of different types and most people are not aware of them don't understand them and yet they have a real effect on many people's lives 
if you have a strong spiritual aura, um, just like your bodily immune system, um, if you don't think bad thoughts about people, if you're a strong, good spiritual person, whether you go to church or not doesn't matter, but if you're in contact with spirit, comfortable with spirit in your life, you're safe. I don't think they can get through a healthy aura. But it's mm-hmm. easy for us to damage our auras either with chemicals or with evil thoughts or uh, doing nasty things to people. That, all of that weakens us spiritually. And if you weaken yourself spiritually, you can become vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one, what happens. Then. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, well, I was just going to say, one of the things that um, made me think I had to start talking about this um, was actually, uh, I don't know whether it was your book, but a book that I read about um, the the releasement of spirits who are uh, who jumped into soldiers in the Vietnam War. A person who's fighting in a war, his his spiritual defenses are going to be weakened. He's stressed. He's angry. He's fighting, and then he's killed. And the, what he wants to do is keep fighting. And apparently, um, many people who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder from the Vietnam War have been found to carry possessing entities, sometimes several of them, um, mm-hmm. Vietnamese and American, um, who, are, who think they're still alive and they're still fighting. And this is one reason why it's so hard for soldiers of any war to kind of get over uh, the experience. Once they've been in combat... Sometimes they carry spirits for the rest of their lives who keep trying to make them make them fight. Mm-hmm. And yet, yeah. if if all of these are released, um, the the person then can walk out of uh, the the therapist's office perfectly fine, no longer troubled mm-hmm. by those awful thoughts. Mm-hmm. If this happens once, it seems to me kind of important that we look at the possibility. We should be helping these people more concretely than just giving them drugs. Mm-hmm. It isn't just once. This is a common kind of thing, which whenever people try it, they're able often to help these people. So it's time for mainstream science to get a clue that it really doesn't understand reality at all and that there are mm-hmm. people it could help if only it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really true. And, and uh, there are, there's a movement. There are many psychotherapists now who are realizing that that's true and they are working with uh, the people to help them to be freed from these entities. And there are many good books. Uh, there's a book called Freeing the Captives by Louise Ireland Fry, and uh, recommend that, of course, 30 Years Among the Dead by Carl Wickland, uh, The Bright Light of Death, which is uh, Annabelle um, Chaplin. Uh, so there are many good books today about these uh, and uh, about the, the case studies that show that, in fact, people are being influenced or possessed by entities on the other side. Uh, and there are, uh, in addition to the earthbounds, the earthbounds are people who have transitioned and for some reason are staying on the earth plane, having an effect on people. In addition to them, there are evil entities that have never been human. Uh, these are shadow people. Uh, they take different forms. Uh, they are evil and uh, they could be called demons. I mean, it would be possible to call them demons. But they are shadow people, and, and, and people will see them as being shadows. And they have uh, shadows in their house or shadows in their, uh, in, in their environment outside. And uh, these shadow people are, are very difficult to, to get rid of, and they do have to be exorcised. But they can be. I mean, it is possible to do them, to exorcise so them. They were never people. Never, They're, never people. They're evil entities. Right? We don't know where they come from. Don't know where they come from, uh, but but from what we know about 
the human consciousness. And we really have to remember that, that the body that we see is not reality at all, that the only thing real about us is our minds. Uh, and it's much like we're sitting in a theater and it's all dark and we're watching this, this screen in front of us. It's two-dimensional. There's no reality on that screen, but yet we're engaged in it. We're, we're, we're part of it, and we're watching it, and, and we get sad, and we get uh, angry, and, and we feel all the things that protagonists feel. And so we are engaged in this, and that's life, that, that what's on the screen is two-dimensional. It's not reality. We're, our minds are, are experiencing it, so it's our minds that are the reality. We're sitting out there in the auditorium watching this and being part of it. So that's where the reality is. And sitting around us in that theater are our loved ones, who are guides and, and people who are helping us. They're with us, and, and they're giving us advice and explaining things to us and helping us out. So they're sitting next to us, but in a vast number of seats all around that auditorium are these earthbounds. And they're trying to get in there and, and, and have their influence. But we must always remember that the reality, what's really real about us and really real about the universe, about life itself, is the mind and consciousness. The rest of this is all an illusion. This is just part of the game, part of the simulation that we're in. Uh, and so we have to remember that. And, and, and then, as a result of that, if we, our minds, are able to be on a higher spiritual level, we're on a higher spiritual plane, we have love, compassion, we're concerned about other people, then those other entities won't have an effect on us. They can't get to us. And so that, that really is the, the primary way in which we can get rid of or, or avoid these uh, kinds of problems that people run into. It's so important to emphasize that. Um, I've had people ask me, because all the evidence suggests we're here to learn to love perfectly and learn to forgive completely. And for most of us, that's why we're here. We'll be doing a show about that uh, in the fall. But uh, people will say, yeah, you know, I think I won't. I'm, I'm not even going to bother with school. I'm just going to have fun here. I don't need to learn that stuff. Um, and I, I, it surprises me, but some people resist it. So what you're giving us, Craig, is a very good reason why we should care about those lessons because mm-hmm. you can screw yourself up pretty royally if you don't learn to love and forgive. That's mm-hmm. the imperative. Um, yeah. it, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll weaken yourself. Now, here's a point of disagreement. So I, I think I, we, I, we ought to mention this. Um, I don't want to know about any of this stuff. It's only very recently that I've even dared to open my mind to the possibility we could be possessed, but I accept that. But what I've read about shadow men suggests, and, and I should just say, shadow men tend to look like opera villains with a long cape and a top hat often and, and black. And you, you can only see them basically in the dark. Light seems to make them disappear. My theory had been, because the more you read of afterlife evidence, the more you come to understand that the only power is spiritual power. Mm-hmm. And the more spiritually powerful you are, the more powerful your mind is, the more you can influence reality and grow spiritually, go to the higher levels of the afterlife. It's all good news if you've learned to love and forgive. Mm-hmm. The more you are weak spiritually, the more you are mean, nasty, crummy, rotten, ridiculously awful, turned the wild to the, to the dark side, the weaker you are. That has been the spectrum that I've always thought about. And so mm-hmm. my theory was that if you're a really, really nasty, evil, crummy guy, you can't even sometimes get to even the lowest level of the afterlife, which is a bad place, and we should talk about that too. But um, you end up 
lurking in children's closets to scare them because the only way that you can be fed at all and have any ability at all to even move is fear the fear of you know you scared the kid he goes eek it's sort of like like the, that movie monsters incorporated the kid goes mm-hmm. eek and that's that's power um that's what i always thought and you're telling me something different that i don't like to hear which is that there are evil entities who are also powerful yes that's right and uh and one of the things that, that is likely true about these evil entities we don't know where they come from is that they are uh, created by the anger and hatred and violence and insensitivity that's in the world. So in other words, our consciousness, which is all there really is, that's the reality, uh, can create these, uh, I mean, as a mass, as a a group of people, uh, can create these kinds of pockets of of evil. Uh, But it is our own consciousness that is creating them. Uh, And we do know that that poltergeists, for instance, um, uh, poltergeists are very often, uh, and that's a mischievous ghost. Uh, a geist is ghost, and, and polter is mischievous. Uh, huh. a, a poltergeist is is a uh, uh, can be a person, can be a person on the other side who's making things move because they they have managed to get the energy and the ability to move things in the environment. But it can also be uh, psychokinetic, and uh, and what that means is that it can be from a person whose consciousness is affecting the environment around them. And so they are actually the person. It's not that there is an entity there, but this is the person who's influencing them. Very often it's an adolescent girl, uh, a person who <laughs> she's going through emotional or trauma. Or you know, and, or, and, and yes, it can be a boy. Um, <laughs> there's one, one famous case of it. It's called the Rain Boy. Uh, and the Rain Boy, uh, soon after his grandfather had died, because he had been abused by his grandfather, but there was a tremendous emotional conflict. And uh, soon after his grandfather had died, then, then the rain boy would sit in a room, and it would rain in the room. So the walls would all oh. get wet, and, the, and the, the moisture would come down. But it not only came down from the ceiling and came from the walls, it came from the floor upward. And so he could oh. he would be in a room, and uh, and this is documented. The, the uh, police were there, and they watched it. They uh, this is uh, a documented case, and um, the rain boy then then learned how to control it though. So the fact that he learned That's how to relief. control it indicated that he probably was not being uh, so much oppressed or possessed by his grandfather, who had passed, but uh, that he actually because of his turmoil, emotional turmoil was creating these himself. And the people who are, who are doing this don't understand it. You know, they're not intentionally doing it in the sense that they plan it, but they have these abilities, the psychokinetic abilities. One woman is, um, she would pass a toaster and it would explode, or she would, uh, a person would walk down the street and the light bulbs and the, and the street lights would explode. And what's happening is it's their psychokinetic energy that's making these things happen. So there is also that, you know, the only reality is consciousness. The only reality is the mind. So the mind is what affects the physical environment. So it can be a psychokinetic energy from the person who's alive that's influencing things, and that's what makes the poltergeist activity. Or it can be a person living uh, who who is... Um, there's uh, one of the Leslie Flint. Leslie Flint was a, a medium in the latter part of the 20th century. He was a direct voice medium, which means that he would sit in a room in the dark and the voices would come out of the air and they would speak and, and they're very articulate from the other side. And uh, one of them uh, explained that um, it, was, it was Maurice Chevalier 
who explained that after he had passed, he couldn't get anybody's attention, you know, because he's walking around on the earth plane and, and nobody was paying attention to him. And so he was trying to kick a chair or, or, or make something happen. After a while, he learned how he could make things move. And so then he started doing things which were like a poltergeist, but all he was doing and all the many of the poltergeists were doing who were earthbounds is just trying to get people's attention. Just trying to say, yeah. I'm here, you know, pay attention to me. And, and uh, it's not that they're, they're trying to do some awful things to people. Uh, but some of the entities on the other side can do awful things. Uh, they can get, they can scratch people, and they can push people. They can make them feel so depressed that they, that they commit suicide. Uh, so they can really have a, a tremendous effect, but it's a tremendous effect on people who are already weak. Yes, and I think that's important to stress. It's right that the normal person does not have these experiences, you know, uh, and, and they can be helped. And part of the way that they're helped is by raising their spiritual level. Yes, that, that's, that's critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so, so I, I'm, I'm getting this a little bit. There are entities that are fragments of yes. people who have been so... So they don't necessarily come from another dimension. They're, they're, we create them in our own minds here, and they have a, they're, they're a separate kind of energy, which is basically malevolent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Well, right. One of mm-hmm. the things that... One of the reasons I think everyone needs to know this stuff is it changes your view of so many things. Up, up until um, very, very recently, I, I came to believe that it made sense for us to have um, a, um, uh, have a death penalty. Why not? Because mm-hmm. they did bad stuff. Well, we should just put them to death and tit for tat. But then I came to understand when you kill someone deliberately in at the height of anger who's basically a nasty person and that person then is evil and is freed as an evil person what you've got is a nightmare because what you have is an evil evil entity who then is going to um uh want, want to get even basically mm-hmm. and i'm sorry about the phone that's a there's a phone in my office that i can't do anything about so it'll go away in a second um what you have there is a very evil entity bent on doing damage. Mm-hmm. And we just gratuitously freed this entity. When, the, when a person has life in prison, that person uh, is certainly not going to be able to do much beyond the prison walls. But here we have someone who's suddenly freed. Mm-hmm. When I realized that, when I really got that, I am as mm-hmm. opposed to capital punishment as you can possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. It's like the worst pollution you can possibly think about because... Because that pollution we can't control, it's mm-hmm. gratuitous, we did it to ourselves. And again, mm-hmm. this, the reason people still think it's okay is they don't understand the harm it does to themselves and their mm-hmm. loved ones to mm-hmm. set this garbage free in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, and it what really... We're doing is, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. But it really does change your perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, right. Uh, because we're sending them to the other side. There was another one of the Liz, Leslie Flint uh, tapes, one of the other recordings of uh, a... a um, and the entity came through, his name was Birkenstock. He had been a, a, a judge uh, when he was on the Earth's plane, and he came through and, and spoke, and, and he spoke and said many of the same things that you're saying, that we're sending people over to the other side, and, and he called it murder by law. And uh, and what we're doing is we're sending people over to the other side, and we're in a very, very angry state, and, and they want 
they want retribution and they want revenge for what happened to them. Right. And so we're we're putting them over there, and they're going to get it. And 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 uh, and the other thing that happens is uh, the only thing, the only reality is the mind. The only reality is consciousness. So what we do is we we can take away the body. We can we can cease the body from existing. But what that does is it creates an environment in the people who witness it, in the in the families who experience it, in society in general, that this kind of violence uh, that is murder by law uh, is going to create these kinds of negative emotions in great varieties of people who are involved. And as a result of those negative emotions, what we're doing is we're dragging down the entire environment and our world, we're dragging it down into a lower level vibration. Uh, and any of these things that are hateful that people do, do especially murder by law, uh, are going to have an effect on society and on our lives and the environment. And so that's one of the reasons that we should not do it just for ourselves, not not just right. for the person that we send over on the other side and, and who comes back for revenge. Purely selfish reasons to do the right mm-hmm. thing, but whatever reason we have, if if it makes us do what's right, then then that's what works. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're you're listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network, and we're talking, of course, with the wonderful R. Craig Hogan. You are an eternal being. Really internalize that fact. You never began. You never will end. So learning the truth, even when it's not such good truth, is important for you because it will enable you to protect yourself and those you love from the things that can go wrong. We'll be right back. When she was eight, Roberta Grimes had an amazing experience of light. She spent the next 50 years researching the afterlife to try and understand what had happened to her. And the result is her book, The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. Roberta's book is Cliff Notes to 200 Years of Abundant and Consistent Afterlife Evidence. It will show you why extinction is impossible for you, explain how you can enjoy the death process, and describe for you in wonderful detail the glorious heaven that awaits us all. Available on Amazon, in Kindle, and in print, The Fun of Dying will start you on a thrilling and life-affirming voyage as you learn the glorious truth about who you really are. If you'd like to talk about some of the things that are discussed on Seek Reality Radio, come and join the welcoming community at afterlifeforums.com. Roberta and Andrew manage afterlife forums in an atmosphere of love and acceptance. If you are very ill, if you have lost a loved one, or if you just wonder about these topics, come and join the fun at afterlifeforums.com. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network and the wonderful R. Craig Hogan. 
we're trying to cram all the bad stuff into one hour so that we can sort of inoculate you against the things that can go wrong spiritually, which some of them can screw you up for many, many, many millennia. So we're trying to kind of protect you from those things. Um, and we've, we've talked so far about earthbounds. We've talked about spirit possession and how to protect yourself from that. Um, let's talk about some of the other things that can go wrong. Dr. Ian Stevenson, who was the chair of the Department of, I think, Psychology or Psychiatry at the University of Virginia, um, did a study of reincarnation, uh, and he wrote a series of wonderful books. Um, Ian Stevenson, look him up. The ba- he wrote um, Where Reincarnation and Biology Intersect. He wrote 20, lot, 20 cases suggestive of reincarnation and some wonderful other things. What he found was that there a lot of children will have memories of a previous life up until the age of perhaps five, and those memories um, might be of a life lived nearby and that ended violently. And he could actually take people to those uh, places where these things happened, uh, talk about the death, recognize people from the previous personality's lifetime. Astonishing stuff. But then I came to understand, because he would interview these children, and they would tell him, for example, that when they were suddenly unexpectedly killed by a shotgun, they ended up in a tree. As you pointed out, Craig, if you're mm-hmm. killed and it's not your time, you planned a time to die, this isn't it. Um, you could just get knocked out of your body, and you're real confused. So one of the children said, I, I sat in a tree, and I saw this woman passing below me. She looked like she'd be a good mother, so I went into her uh, developing baby. And that strikes me. So I said, oh, what we're talking about here is a fancy kind of spirit possession. Is that, what you, is that how you would interpret it, too? Yes. Uh, and what happens is we don't fully understand what, what goes on, but we do know that it is possible for uh, a person's spirit, a person, a consciousness, to uh, cease its uh, physical life so that it no longer has a body and then to go into a, a new life, and, and uh, that new life then is a, a new baby. And uh, when it comes into that new life and the new baby, what Stevenson had found, uh, the, his book was about where reincarnation and biology intersects, right. uh, and it was about birthmarks and, and birth defects. And what, what happened was that this young child then who had been born would come out and he would start to speak about this past life, about who he was and who, his real mom and, and, and what happened to him and how he passed. And there would be a birthmark. For instance, there might be a bullet hole. Uh, it looked like a bullet hole. It was a, 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 a rosy birthmark uh, in exactly the same spot where the person, when they found the historical evidence, the person had passed because of a bullet hole in that spot. And so there was a birthmark there. We don't fully understand why this is true, but we do know that, that the, the body, our body that we have, is created from consciousness. It's from the mind. Right. The only thing that's real is the mind. So in other words, consciousness is creating the body, and the, the consciousness has that past life memory of, of the body having that destruction, the bullet hole. And uh, so then when it creates this new body for the child, then it has that birthmark at the place where the bullet hole was. And the so he, the he pictures are extraordinary. Uh, they really. incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. The, uh, the yes. book is expensive. Uh, you probably listening are, are not going to want to spring for it. But um, I, I bought it because I just couldn't not buy it. And uh, mm-hmm. there are pictures which are boggling. You find out how the child claimed to have died in the previous 
um, uh, lifetime, and you see exactly those wounds as birthmarks on a child. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, someone was killed with a with a shotgun blast to the chest, and there are little you could just see every place where that those shotgun pellets entered that previous body, on mm-hmm. that child's chest. Um, so if you if you feel like springing for something fun for yourself, uh, the book is worth buying just for the illustrations, the the photographs. It's astonishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're just amazing. And I think he had something like forty cases that he had in the book, and and so there are many of them. It's not one instance of them, and uh, they were all similar in the fact that the child remembered something about a past life when they historically could go back and find that person. They discovered that they had passed because of of, of a problem physical problems such as a bullet hole or a shotgun blast, and then they would find the birthmarks on the child. You know, just phenomenal. Uh, and it's because of the fact that, that we really are babes in the woods as far as understanding consciousness and how it affects life. But the important thing is to remember that we are conscious, uh, eternal beings, and our consciousness has control over the world. That we are uh, very strong beings, and, and that the more we can realize that, and the more we can make use of that, the better our lives are and the better the lives are of the people around us. Uh, and uh, and so then that's the important point. One of the things that I'd like to make sure we mention, too, is that uh, even if you manage to leave this plane uh, of reality, uh, you you can end up in what uh, the wonderful, wonderful Bob Monroe called, uh, who was a great astral traveler, and we'll talk in a minute about what his institute still does today to help people. But um, you could end up in what he called a hollow heaven, which is basically an imaginary afterlife. Um, you're on a cloud. You end up in a cloud, and maybe there's gates there. Maybe there aren't, but nothing's happening. There are people walking around. You don't recognize anybody, mm-hmm. and uh, and you you probably think those you loved uh, must all be in hell because they're not there. But the reality is that your view of what the afterlife was going to be was so strong that your mind drew you to the to a place where other people who had that same strong view also ended up, and you've got to be rescued from there. Um, mm-hmm. Your loved ones or someone has got to come and persuade you. You know, you kind of made a little detour there, fella, and, uh, you know, come with me. I'll take you to where you were meant to go. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about Hollow Heavens. What, what are your yeah, thoughts on it's, that? It's because our expectations are what create our reality and, and, uh, and the next plane, in, in the third plane of life or summer land uh, on the other side. Uh, our reality, what we expect to be there, is what, what creates it. Now, that doesn't mean that if we expect it to be in hell, that somehow we're going to be in hell. That's not what it would happen. It's just that uh, if uh, our reality on this life was that we lived in an igloo, then when we would go to the other side, then, then we would be in a circumstance that had igloos. Uh, right. If we lived in the desert, then we would be in a circumstance that we would live in the desert because what our expectations are, what we're accustomed to, is what we come into. That's what we, we then experience on the other side. And in some cases, the, the uh, Christians you mentioned that, that um, who believe that they're going to be sleeping. They're sleeping till the judgment day. Oh, and yes, so this is to, a great they one. They go to the other side. Mm-hmm. So they go to the other side, and uh, they're convinced that they're sleeping, waiting for the judgment day. And so there are, there are other Christians there, and, and, and of course they're talking to each other, and they're, they're having this conversation, but they're saying, oh, this, this is the place where you go when you're sleeping, waiting for the judgment day, and so they'll spend decades or centuries there just sitting there waiting. 
and they won't listen to uh, people who try to say to them, oh, listen, you can go on. You've got another, uh, you've got the rest of your eternal life to live and to change and to grow and to become. And uh, they say, no, 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 we're waiting for the judgment day. You know, <laughs> it, it's going to happen any right. day now, the Perugia, uh, which is right. the, uh, the second coming. And, and uh, so we're just going to sit here and wait. So they're, they're actually believed that they're in, in uh, heaven or in this suspended animation, this is sleep time. And uh, it's a false and It's just not there. It's only their expectations. But the really, really interesting thing about it, I mean, is the good thing about it, is that that the source, our God, is so beneficent, beneficent to us that uh, we are able to stay in whatever circumstances we choose. We have free will. If they decide they're going to stay there and wait for the second coming and and uh, and they're going to be asleep, well, so be it. And and uh, only when they are able to grow out of that will things change for them. Uh, and so they're in this this circumstance. And some of them, some of them, uh, the the others who are on the other side uh, believe that they are uh, in purgatory. Uh, that this must be purgatory because you know I'm not in heaven, I'm not in hell, and I'm in purgatory. And so then they they spend their time then trying trying to pray themselves out of purgatory what, what to if, be able to get the to things the, about the the period uh, early part of the 20th century when I think many of the best communications were received is that it was a time when a lot of preachers were talking about going to sleep until they hear the trumpet until the final trumpet. Mm-hmm. And in, in fact, just as you say, Craig, they were, there were whole hospitals full of people who were either drowsy or actually asleep w- waiting for the trumpet. And mm-hmm. because um, they were trying to wake these people up respectfully, uh, efforts were made to wake them up and say, you're, you know, everything is fine, just wake up, and you know, you're going to go out into the summer land and all that. And no, nope, no, nope, they mm-hmm. were going to stay sleeping, as you say. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, so these poor souls, finally, someone would per- periodically in the hospital blow a trumpet and everyone would wake oh. up yeah. and then their their uh. relatives there are communications mm-hmm. in which they say i was working in this hospital and we hate to do it but every so often we got to blow the trumpet we mm-hmm. make sure they have their loved ones around them when they wake up and then they're fine that mm-hmm. it's it, which to me is hysterical and it just reinforces what you say about how powerful our consciousness is yeah. they, mm-hmm. it, they couldn't wake up till they heard the stupid trumpet mm-hmm. yeah and that's the reality our reality is our consciousness and when we realize that, then we realize how how powerful we are, and how much capability we have. Uh, and then I, heaven on earth, you know, heaven on earth is, is something which is a reality. But it's just that we are not living in it because we choose not to. We choose not to. We choose. We're not we're, to. we're coming toward the end of what has for me been a kind of a. Actually, not as bad an hour as it would have been if I'd had to face it alone. Thank you, Craig, for being here. But one of the things I want to make sure we say is that there are efforts constantly ongoing to rescue people who are off track, whether they're earthbound, whether they're um, on a, in a hollow heaven, wherever they are. Um, and they're being engineered from the afterlife, but also there are people, um, and the Monroe Institute in uh, Virginia is one which was founded by Bob Monroe, who was a great astral traveler, is one of the, the groups uh, that, that are really trying to do this. They, they uh, help people to get into a state whereby they could astrally travel with a specific intention of rescuing people who are off track, getting their attention, um, explaining to them what to do, and taking them where they need to go. So if this interests you at all, I would get in touch, in touch with the folks at the Monroe Institute and uh, start uh, 
doing your own rescuing. It's one way to kind of alleviate other people's suffering that until science gets more of a clue, uh, we're kind of alone, I think, those of us who understand what's going on, in trying to help these people who so desperately need help. Mm-hmm. And it's called Lifeline. And it's called Lifeline. And there's a training program. Mm-hmm. There's a graduate yes. program, uh, Lifeline, and uh, people can be trained to help us on the other side to, to cross over. There's a, it's called a second death, but you know I don't like the word death, but uh, it's a second transition. When a person first has the first transition that's out of the body, second transition is going from the earth plane and being able to go up to the next level and to be able to have that second movement, rather like going out of the body. Uh, and that is an effort. It, it takes an effort. And, and so then what Lifeline does is, People can astrally travel, and they can go to the other side, and they can help people to realize that they've passed, that there is another life for them, and they can go on, and they can go into the light, you know, and they go into the next plane, and and uh, to help them to do that. And the Monroe Institute was was doing that, not so much now, but uh, but it still is a program that exists, and people can be trained in it. It's called Lifeline. There are going to be more and more ways that we can use what the emerging knowledge uh, in this field, more and more ways we can use it to really help people, which to me is the whole point of being here and a way for us to uh, improve our own um, spiritual levels. And as you say, Craig, to protect ourselves against the things that can go wrong. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of an important thing for us to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very grateful that you've been with me today and kind of held my hand through what was, as I say, not such a great thing to talk about. But the good news is we can protect ourselves, and we've talked about how to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Roberta Grimes. My book is The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. It's available on Amazon.com in both Kindle and print and also on Barnes & Noble as an ebook. Um, and my favorite book of Craig's, although he's written several, is Your Eternal Self. If you haven't read Your Eternal Self by R. Craig Hogan, please put it right at the top of your reading list because it'll tell you so much about what's going on that uh, otherwise uh, I, I couldn't express it half as well as he has. Please join us next week when our guest will be Carol Morgan. She's a friend of mine who's still in a material body, and she's going to be bringing with us her brilliant and glorious son, Mikey, who's in spirit. We've talked with Carol once, and now we're going to hear from Carol the kinds of things Mikey's been telling her. He's a level six being, and he knows much more than I do, and uh, I've been spent my life studying this, so I'm excited about talking with Carol. Um, meanwhile, visit us at afterlifeforums.com to join the discussion. And now go out and enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being and you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about your eternal life. To learn more, tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. For lively and positive discussions, visit www.afterlifeforums.com To contact Roberta, email her at roberta at seekreality.com Wishing you a productive week empowered by the truth of who you really are.